Hello, health investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. As you may know, I'm a certified nutrition coach, but I do not think nutrition is the be-all, end-all. When it comes to losing weight, having more energy, being more focused, and just overall optimizing your health, nutrition is certainly important. But other factors matter just as much, if not more at times. That's why I work with my one-on-one coaching clients through an approach I call N+. Never heard of N+, before? That's because I made it up. N+, stands for nutrition, plus sleep, stress management, movement, and mindset. If your goal is any one of the things I mentioned, weight loss, more energy, etc., it's important to focus on all five of the N-plus areas. When you optimize your nutrition, sleep, stress management, movement, and mindset, that's when you start seeing amazing results. If you want to learn more about my N-plus approach, you can go back to episode 19 and do an entire workshop on it. I recorded the workshop that I usually give for live audiences or on online webinars. So if you go back to that episode, as I said, or if you visit thehealthinvestment.com slash workshop, you'll see that you can print out a handout and follow along with a slideshow as you listen. It's really a unique type of episode, but I hope you'll like it. And by the end, you'll have set tangible goals for yourself in the five N plus areas. Today's guest is the first of her kind on the Health Investment Podcast. She's a stress expert, and I haven't interviewed a stress expert yet. As I just mentioned, I truly believe, and research backs this belief up, that you've got to get your stress under control if you want to look and feel your best. Courtney Elmer, my guest today, has an approach that really appeals to me because she also speaks a lot about mindset, another one of the N-plus areas. So this episode is a sort of double whammy, if you will. As you'll see, Courtney doesn't believe in band-aid approaches to stress that we're so sick of hearing by now. You know the ones I'm talking about. Journaling, getting a massage, taking a bubble bath, the list goes on. As the creator and founder of the Effortless Life Method, Courtney helps people break up with busy so that they're free to create a bigger, lasting impact. She's known for sharing simple, proven strategies to create order out of life's chaos, find your inner peace, and transform your life from the inside out so you can experience effortless success without the stress. I just know you're going to love everything Courtney has to say, so let's get right to our chat. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing. You deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing. There are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm going to share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I want to help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one, so visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. 
Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for being here with me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I have been following your work and I reached out to you a while ago and we put this on the calendar, but I have been so excited since that point that we first connected to get you on and to talk about everything stress-related. Yes, I'm excited to be here, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Of course. So as my listeners and social media followers know, I'm a nutrition coach, but I really don't think nutrition is the be-all, end-all. I've developed what I call the N-plus approach, which means nutrition plus sleep, stress management, movement, and mindset all contribute to optimal health. So I know it's paramount to manage our stress levels, and you obviously know that as well. So I would love to hear your story and background and what led you to become a stress expert. Yes. So I have been on a health and personal growth journey for probably the past six years or so, uh, over six years at this point, because the pivotal moment for me was when I was 25 years old and literally two days after we got home from our honeymoon was diagnosed with cancer. And that was a huge wake up call because prior to that, I was living what you and I would probably just call the rat race. I was in the corporate world of nine to five, working as hard and as long as I possibly could, thinking that that was what was going to take me to the level of success that I wanted to reach, where then I could finally feel like I could just take a breath and relax and enjoy my life. But that never came. And I just felt like Everything I wanted, you know, all my dreams, my goals were just out of reach. And it seemed like no matter how hard I worked, no matter how many hours I put in, no matter how many late nights I spent at my desk, that I wasn't hitting all the goals that I felt that I should be. I had had achieved a ton of success. I was working in the network marketing industry. I had a large team. I was earning the bonuses. I drove the luxury car paid for by the company the expensive trips paid for by the company, all those things that from the outside looking in, someone would have said, wow, Courtney's got it together. She's, look at her, she's on her way. But on the inside, I felt like I was the furthest thing from success. And I knew the pace that I was living in order to sustain the lifestyle that I had built to that point, that it wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. But I felt like It was almost like I was in this race and I thought if I could just run hard enough, long enough, I would make it to the finish line and then I could slow down before something would come along and take me out of the race. Well, little did I know that uh, I wouldn't be running much longer because I eventually hit that wall and that was that wake up call, you know, that diagnosis. And I can remember just like it was yesterday sitting in that doctor's office and I get chills still to this day when I tell this story because that was the moment that I knew something had to change and that the cost of the success that I had earned in my life to that point wasn't the cost of those late nights at my desk or missing out on workouts in order to meet with clients or missing out on lunch with friends or saying again that I couldn't meet them for drinks or coffee because I didn't have the time. What it really cost me was my health my sanity, my friendships, my relationships, everything in life that was truly important to me. And so that's when everything shifted. And I knew I had to make a massive change in order to figure out how to break up with burnout and how to recover and heal from that in a way that would allow me not to just go back 
to square one and start running on the hamster wheel again, but how to have the success I wanted without sacrificing my life and the things I loved and myself along the way. Hmm. So did you automatically leave corporate America after your bout with cancer? No, I went right back to working because <laughs> that was all that I knew. I know. I would be like a fairy tale story if I could say, yes, I walked away and everything was so perfect after that, but it wasn't. <laughs> because work for me had become such a part of my identity and it was such a comfort zone for me that I felt like the, the number one thing going through surgery and radiation and recovery and all of that time and space that I finally had with my thoughts and my emotions that I had always been working so hard to avoid, what I wanted to do was get back to work. That was all I could think about. But the seed had been planted in my heart. And so even though I went back, you know, continued working with my team, continued building my business in that industry there was this inner voice and this inner knowing that I was going to have to figure something else out because this wasn't going to be sustainable for me. I just didn't know what that next step was going to look like at mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to have some sort of business of my own. And I had always thought that coaching you know, would be a perfect fit for me, speaking and really sharing my voice and using my voice to you know, share with others what I had learned. But again, I was at the very beginning stages of that. And so it was really just an idea in my mind. And I didn't know how to bring it all down into tangible you know, business steps in order to really kind of create that. So that's really where I was back in 2013. And you know, fast forward six and plus years, however long it's been to today, it's interesting because at the time that we're recording this, you know, we're having this global crisis with this COVID-19 pandemic, and it's reminding me so much of how I felt when I experienced that wake-up call. And all of a sudden, everything else was different. The whole lens that I was looking at my life through changed. Nothing. I couldn't go back to the way it was before, even though in my mind I thought, well, that's where it's at for me because that's what's comfortable and that's what feels familiar because I was now able to see things from a different perspective. Right. So when was it exactly that you broke away and started your own business? So 2017, January, was when I officially opened the doors to my business and my brand, which is now known as The Effortless Life. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I had a message to share and that the message that I had was important. Um, people needed to hear it. And so I had hired a business coach who I started working with that really helped me hone in, you know, to really figure out what my gifts and talents were, and pulling out those pieces of my story and of my journey and of all those many things that I had learned along the way, especially in terms of stress and overwhelm, and literally taking, you know, my experience experience from the steps that I had walked and putting that together into a plan and a framework to be able to teach that to others so that they too could learn how to navigate through stress and overwhelm and not only navigate through it, but also learn to overcome it and to live a life and to live from a place where the stress and overwhelm wasn't threatening to take them out of the game anymore in their life, in their career and in their business. That's incredible. Uh, one thing that you said really struck me is that when you were kind of in the rat race, you didn't even realize at the time how stressed you were. 
So I'm wondering (laughs) the people who seek you out, are they aware of their stress or do they have kind of a notion that maybe they're suffering from chronic stress? I mean, how does somebody, if they don't have that aha moment that you did, God forbid, right, with some diagnosis, how does somebody really know if they're too stressed out? That is an excellent question because as high achievers, as ambitious, driven, self-motivated people, you know, that's who I primarily serve, the entrepreneurs, the um, the like top level, you know, um, corporate CEO type people. And those people are the ones that typically have a very high tolerance for mm. stress and they often don't recognize the signs. I didn't. I lived that way, like you said, for years until that wake up call came along. And that was one of the challenges in the early days of my business was figuring out how to communicate and to market and to speak to that person who didn't realize yet that they are were on a dangerous path. And so it's interesting because like I said, a lot of us have this high tolerance for stress. So we were really operating based on a belief that, well, stress is just normal. You know, this is just what it takes to grow a business. I'm going to feel stressed. I'm going to feel overwhelmed. I have to work hard in order to reap the reward. And so when we start to order our lives and order our actions and our behavior around these beliefs and around these stories, right, it really comes down to what is going on between the six inches, the six inches between our ears. It's interesting that, you know, our actions will find evidence of that in our life to prove to ourselves that, yeah, I'm just going to feel like this, um, this, it's almost just an inner tension is how I would describe it and kind of approaching everything in your life from a reactionary standpoint. So what I tell people is I'm like, you know, if you frequently feel frustrated that you are working so hard and that you know you have the skills and you have the know-how and you have what it takes or you have at least the willingness willingness to learn, but that you still aren't where you want to be yet. That's an indicator that something deeper is going on under the surface. If you find yourself feeling like you are living with more of a negative energy and that is kind of your approach to everything, more of a reactionary approach, you know, and going through your day, just feeling like you're putting out fires all of the time and feeling like you can never get ahead. It's this feeling of like taking a step forward and two steps back. That's an indicator that things might have gotten a little bit out of alignment somewhere along the way. If you're feeling like there's just more frustration than flow, really, you know, mm-hmm. um, And so that can sometimes help people start to clue in just as they think through their day, they think through the past week or month or in general, how they have been approaching their life, you know, and even asking themselves, like, am I able to get to the things that I say I want to do? You know, well, a lot of the things you'll see fall to the back burner are healthy eating, nutrition, sleep exercise, movement, all of those things that we, you know, when we're in that rat race and in that mindset, living with stress, putting up with it, kind of living in this constant state of fight or flight, we're, we, those things all fall to the back burner. And we always say, oh, okay, I'll just do it on Monday. or I'll just get to it next week. Or one day when I have more time, then I'll be able to do those things. And so the key is to really start to kind of tune into your language and to how you're approaching your life and just notice, you know, am I spending my time and energy on things I love and enjoy that light me up? Or do I feel like I'm kind of spending my energy spinning my wheels 
in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I think also as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people have tolerance maybe, but also I think a lot of people wear their busyness as sort of a badge of honor. It's almost like if you're not busy, if you're not stressed, maybe you're not working hard enough or you're not successful enough. Do you do you see a lot of that with your clients that they feel like they almost need the stress to prove that they're building a successful company or that they're working hard enough? Yes. And the reason is the underlying reason that we see this so much is because when we start off in our career, in our business, unknowingly, our self-worth often gets attached to the results that we can produce. Mm. And so if we feel like we're not quote unquote, measuring up, right? Because typically we don't really have benchmarks for ourselves. We're not really sure how to measure our success or how to know like where we are on, if we're on the right track or not, are we making progress or not? The main way that we just kind of default as humans to measuring our success is to compare ourselves to someone else's journey. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of develops this, um, this distinction there where the, it feels like there's a gap, right? We see some influencers in our sphere that were like, oh, I wish I could be like them. Or we see someone speaking from stage and it's like, that's what I want to do. Why, why can't I seem to get there? Like, where is this gap, you know, between where I am and where I want to be, what's going on there? And so slowly this happens very, you know, under the surface, unconsciously, we're not really aware of it, but our self-worth gets so wrapped up in how much we do that it does become this badge of honor to wear our busyness on our sleeve. It's like, look, the busier I am, the more worthy I am mm-hmm. or the, the, the more worth it, um, you know. And so it's, it's this interesting phenomenon that takes place and totally unconscious. You know, it's something that you definitely have to tune into and become aware of. The good news is you can break the cycle. But yes, to answer your question, I do see that a lot. And it's very ingrained in our culture too. So a lot of what I teach sounds totally counterintuitive and really radical and very out there. And it's like, wait, what do you mean? You can like help me maximize my income and impact without maxing out my time and effort? Like really? Right. <laughs> but um, but it's true. Yeah. And it starts with really having to undo these mindsets that we might have unknowingly bought into along the way. Yeah. I think it's the whole idea that is thrown around. Not everybody, of course, but in the United States, it's the idea of you're, we live to work versus we work to live. Whereas maybe in some other countries, I lived in Spain for a few months and it was a very different mentality there in terms of, you know, life, celebrating life and spending time with family and friends and cooking. That was more front and center and that sort of defined a successful life. Whereas maybe that's not so much here. It's, it's like here we live to work. You know, that's oftentimes the first and foremost, most important thing for us. Yes, totally. So I often, I don't know if this is correct. You're the expert. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I generally talk about stress management versus stress elimination, because to me, it seems that you're never going to completely eliminate stress. And then even some mild stress can be good for us, right? There's chronic stress and then there's the acute stressors that happen that maybe aren't as impactful in our lives. So what is your perspective on that managing stress versus eliminating it altogether? I'm really glad you bring this up because I actually believe that stress can't be managed either. And here's why. Stress is an indicator. Okay. When you think in terms of our biology, 
and how we are wired. And we go all the way back to prehistoric times and we think about, okay, there's a lion standing in my path. What am I going to do? Am I going to fight this lion so that I can have some dinner or am I going to run away and flee, right? And it's that fight or flight response, that inborn protection mechanism that's designed to keep us safe. Well, in this day and age, there's not necessarily a lion that you're going to see crossing the street out of in your neighborhood, but you might get an email from a client that's typically easy to work with. And maybe they send you an email one day that seems kind of like out of the blue and you're like, what is going on, right? Some sort of event that will activate that fight or flight. And this happens a lot on a smaller scale every day for many people. Like we were talking about kind of living in that reactionary state. We're not designed to be in fight or flight all the time. That's unhealthy. And that's like where you approach, you know, that chronic stress and that could be dangerous just all the way around for your physical, mental well-being. But stress in terms of fight or flight, it's there to indicate when there's danger. That fight or flight activates whenever we need to respond and make a decision in order to move forward and then find safety and security once again. And so the reason that I get upset when I see, you know, people out there touting, you know, oh, here's how to manage your stress. Like, here's eight tips, you know, just go take a walk and journal a little bit and, you know, do this, do that. Talk with a friend. Those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking that. What I am saying, though, is that those are not enough to get to the root of what's causing that stress in the first place. I like to look at stress as a symptom. Just as if you were suffering from some sort of illness, right? Some sort of virus, some sort of autoimmune disorder, there's going to be symptoms that you experience on the surface. There's a deeper root cause that's causing those symptoms. And so here in, a, in, our, in our country, in America, you know, we like to treat the symptoms of things. Here, take two Advil, go to bed, you'll feel better. You know, pop this pill, here's a prescription, do this, do that, right? We want the quick fix. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of tend to approach stress the same way, where it's like, oh, stress is bad, we shouldn't have it, here's some tips to manage it, now go on with your life. But what happens is we're not actually getting to the root of what's really going on under the surface, which it boils down to the beliefs and the lens through which you're seeing your life through and the emotional traumas in your life, big or small, that you may have experienced along the way that unknowingly have made up the framework through which you see the world. And so because this is stuff that we're not taught in school, we're not taught about our emotional well-being and how to really tune in to our thoughts and to notice any limiting beliefs and stories we might be telling ourselves that are keeping us stuck We tend to go through life thinking that, well, stress is just normal. It's just something I have to deal with. And it's something I need to manage because it's got this negative connotation, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, though, stress is good. And I believe stress is a good thing when you're aware of it. Not when you're living with it every day and feeling like, you know, is this all there is? But when you can recognize that it's an indicator that something deeper is going on, number one. And then number two, being willing to look at under the hood, right, of what's going on under the surface. And I I tell people this, I'm like, look, if your car has engine problems and you take it to the car wash thinking that having a nice shiny exterior and putting on a happy face and you know listening to some upbeat music and doing your positive journaling, you can do that as much as you want, but eventually the car still will break down because it's not the exterior of the car that's the problem. Yeah, You have to be willing to lift the hood and look 
at the engine and diagnose and fix what's really going on under the surface. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I love that analogy. I'm a big sucker for analogies. I used to be an English teacher. so (laughs) I'm an English lit major. So there you go. (laughs) Awesome. So what are some of the root causes then of the stress that people experience? Yes. So like I said, a lot of it really boils down to our limiting beliefs, which are caused by the traumas that we experience in our life. And I use that word trauma loosely because yes, there's the the trauma that most people think of, you know, a traumatic experience, a life or death thing. Um, There can be acute trauma, which happens, you know, one time there can be ongoing trauma that happens, you know, over time. That's what I would call big T trauma, you know, kind of those things where our mind typically thinks of like, oh, a cancer diagnosis, a car crash, a grieving the loss of a loved one, all of those big things, this pandemic that the world is experiencing right now. And there are also what I call little T traumas that we have experienced from the moment we were born all throughout our life. And an example of this might be getting teased on the playground when you were five. That necessarily, you know, to you and I talking today isn't something that seems huge and traumatic, but at five years old, from the lens at which you were looking through your life at that point, getting teased on the playground may have caused you to form certain beliefs about yourself and create these stories to protect yourself from ever feeling that sort of emotional pain Mm. ever again. And that's really what the word trauma boils down to, because if you go back and look at the Greek root of the word, it means emotional wounds. So all the emotional wounds that we have sustained in our life that have made us feel any type of negative emotion like anger, fear, sadness, hurt, guilt, you know, any type of negative emotion, you know, that we would, that would have more of like, say a negative energy about it, um, that, that causes emotional wounds. And if we're not paying attention to what went on, And the mindsets that we formed when those, even those little traumas happened along the way and what we decided to be true about ourselves in those moments, which often happens unconsciously, then we can go through life just kind of approaching our life from that same belief that we created way back when. So I'll give you a really good example of this from my own life. Last summer, I was walking my son in our neighborhood I was in the middle of a launch for my digital course and things were going okay, but there were some things I was like, why isn't this going better than it should be? And I just kind of noticed this, this unease, I'll describe it. It wasn't necessarily an emotion that I could put my finger on, but I was feeling a little stressed and a little anxious. And I knew enough to know that that stress and anxiety was indicating there's something deeper under the surface. So as I was walking, I was just asking myself these questions and I was like, you know, what is it that I'm afraid of? And as clear as day, it immediately popped into my head of being laughed at. And I was like, where did that come from? That is so out of the blue, like of being laughed at? What? Why would I be afraid of that? So I just kind of went with it. You know, I kind of do my coaching on myself. And I'm like, okay, Courtney, so what? what is it that being laughed at, what is the deeper pain there or the deeper emotion there that you're afraid of feeling? immediately the answer embarrassment and i kid you not this memory flashed into my mind as if it were happening yesterday of me at nine years old in the third grade and our assignment in class was to get up and give a 
a speech. We were practicing public speaking, and it was to give a speech on our favorite sport or hobby. And before we were to get up in front of the class, we were broken out into small groups to practice our speech with our classmates. And the two boys that I was paired up with were best friends. I remember their faces. I remember their names. This was a memory I had not even thought of in almost 30 years that I could remember as if it were happening in front of me, all the little details, right? So I can clearly remember turning around in my desk, really excited to share with them my topic, which was how to groom your horse in five easy steps because I used to ride horses and that was my thing. And they looked at me and they laughed at me. Mm. And I felt so much shame and embarrassment in that moment. And that's when it really became clear to me that what I decided in that moment was that it was not safe to share my ideas because if I did, I would be laughed at. That's what I equated in my nine-year-old mind. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I held on to that belief completely unconsciously all these years because your unconscious mind is designed to protect you from pain. It's designed to keep you safe. And so in my, in the unconscious part of my mind, I was operating based on this belief and running into all of these symptoms or issues in my business where I felt like my message just wasn't connecting. The social media posts were falling flat. I couldn't seem to like find that magical element, you know, to connect with my audience. And I realized because I was still operating based out of that fear of being laughed at, of sharing my ideas, no wonder, because all of my posts were really watered down. They weren't really speaking to any one person. I, I wasn't being very polarizing or standing up for my truth and what I believe. And, you know, the, the things that I teach as counterintuitive and radical as they might be, that I was really just trying to, to dumb them down in a way in order to protect myself. Hmm. So when you really begin to unpack, now this was just one event in my life that happened at nine. Think about how many events that we experience throughout our lives that cause us emotional pain and the beliefs that we decide in those moments, what we decide to be true about ourselves. That's really what's at the heart of what later then causes this friction in our life because we're operating based on a belief from the past that served us as a coping mechanism for some time, but that no longer serves us. It actually begins to hold us back from reaching the next level. And that's when we start to kind of bump up against the walls of our limitations and feel like, oh, why can't I get there? I'm working so hard. When really you can unpack these emotional wounds, learn the steps to heal through them and break free of everything that's been holding you back. So if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, well, I've had a whole lifetime of experience. Like, how am I ever going to heal through all these things? Don't be alarmed because it's really a very simple process once you learn how to do it, especially when you have the guidance to do it of someone who's trained to help you work through that. And that is why, you know, the clients that I work with, have such incredible results right out the gate and they're able to sustain those results because they're able to shift the beliefs that were causing them all the stress and the symptoms they were feeling in their life in the first place. And when those things are no longer holding you back, you are free to move to the next level wherever that may be for you.
So I know that was a long answer to your question. So thanks for bearing with no, me sharing that, but yeah. it's so important. And I just want to make sure that people really get that, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's really um, important to point out. So it's not even about stress management, stress elimination. All of that is too surfacey even for what's really going on. It's yes. addressing the root. Would you fi- Do you find that with most of your clients, the root for many of their stressors is some type of fear? Yes. It does often boil down to, you know, I call them fear-based thought patterns, which really are just these stories we tell ourselves, these habits of thought, these thought patterns that we create that are often rooted in fear. And if you go to psychology and you look at, um, you know, the whole theory behind what, what we would refer to as a vicious cycle, it typically starts with a thought or a belief that's rooted in fear that then kind of creates this self-perpetuating cycle. For example, a perfectionist might think, oh, I have to be perfect in order for people to like me. I can't make mistakes. I have to always do things right. Well, what inevitably happens, you try so hard to do things right, but you're human, so you're going to make a mistake. And then people don't, you kind of become like all down on yourself. People don't really like to be around someone who feels like that. And then, you know, you kind of re re um, enforce that story in your mind that, oh my gosh, look at what's happening now. I have to be all the more perfect in order to avoid this bad scenario from happening. And it just creates these cycles and patterns that kind of play out in our life. And all vicious cycles are rooted in fear. Mm. I think a lot of people relate to that story you just told and then also your first story about how you were in that hamster wheel. So in your corporate career, what was really the root cause of your stress at that point, would you say? Is it just that you weren't ever measuring up? Yes. It really went back down to my beliefs about myself and how I saw myself, you know, in fitting in in the world and in my important relationships in my life. I had a lot of healing to do with my relationship with my mom. And it was interesting too how, you know, kind of my cancer journey and some of the other health issues and things that I've experienced through the years opened my eyes to that more so than anything. And that there was a lot of resentment and a lot of deep-seated hurt that I needed to let go of in order to truly heal, not just physically, also mentally, and just for my overall emotional well-being. And so at the time, you know, just being in that rat race, like you said, I, I really did feel like I wasn't measuring up. And, but it was this deeper belief that, you know, I'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. And so therefore my actions, you know, I I found that validation in my life. I was never enough. I could never do enough. There was never enough time to get to everything done. And this whole idea of never enough, never enough, never enough that really played out in, in every area of my life. Right. It's that idea of like, when I get to this point, I'll have more time for this. But then that point never comes because you're just constantly pushing yourself to higher and higher expectations. Yes. And or when you get to that point, like say even if it's a tangible goal, I remember for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to earn that car. Like I I have, I want to have that car and be driving that around. I was driving this luxury car, like in my mid twenties, you know, it's like none of my friends like had that, you know, it was this amazing goal that I had achieved. But as soon as I earned that, I thought that that was what was going to bring me like the satisfaction and like this deep breath that I was just craving to take in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, it was the next thing. Okay. Now what, now what's next? And so it was just this continual drive because it was a deeper 
um, a deeper emptiness that I had inside that I was seeking to fill with external validation and with external approval and, and acknowledgement and recognition that really didn't feel the deeper need I had inside of myself to learn how to recognize and approve of and acknowledge myself. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. ThriveMarket is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. So would you say that the people, I mean, I'm sure there were people in your same job who maybe didn't feel the same stress that you did. And I think we can all relate to that. Times we felt very stressed out. Whether we acknowledge it or not, you know, it seems as if sometimes you may be stressed and not even be able to realize it. But then colleagues of yours that have the exact same job maybe handle it very differently. So is it really based on kind of your emotional intelligence and the way you can identify? Like, how is somebody better at? I don't, I don't, I don't want to say managing stress because that's. Right. Not- <laughs> I know, I know. It's, you can say that. That's fine. We know. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we don't want to talk about the surface managing stress, right? But. In general, just how is somebody better at handling stress than somebody else, would you say? We're all so different. We're all so unique. And so I think the best way for me to answer this is to kind of use myself as a as a comparison. So the me six years ago and the me right now, there's a, a lot of emotional healing that has taken place over that time. And as a result, there's a lot of mental resilience that has been built up as well. Plus, my lens has shifted from the way that I'm seeing and perceiving stress. And maybe those listening, you might have had an experience of this. You know, you might have like had a really stressful day or a stressful period in your life. And then someone tells you like, you know, it's okay. Like there's always a silver lining and they, you know, I've been through some hard things and here's what I've learned. And they just seem to where it's like things just kind of bounce off of them. And you're like, why doesn't stuff like this get to you? It gets to under my skin so much, you know, and it's, it's you know, we're all at different points in our journey. What I can say is the more mentally resilient you learn to be, and the way to do that is to cultivate your awareness, to tune in again to what's going on under the surface that you're experiencing these symptoms of stress. It's like a muscle. The more you work it, the better at it you get. And so the things that, you know, used to stress me out and bother me at the state in life that I was in, those things can happen today and it would just kind of roll off my back like water on a duck. Mm. And and so we do all handle stress in different ways. And it's it's based really on how well you learn to navigate through it and how well you learn to understand stress as an indicator and as a symptom. And even in my work with students and clients, those students and clients who learn to shift their beliefs around stress and what it is, go on to become much more 
resilient and much more aware and even to learn from those stressful things in their life. Some people do this. And so really to answer your question, some people do this naturally. Some people have been gifted with mentors or teachers or parents along the way who have just maybe had a bit more emotional awareness or just attunement, you know, to those things. And uh, maybe they've picked up on some of that along the way. And then others like me are just out there, like, you know, the me six years ago, trying to cope and just like make ends meet and figure out like how to make it from, you know, the start of my day to the end of my day without like passing out in between from the the amount of stress and the weight of it, you know, that I was carrying around. And so we do all experience it differently. But that's the one takeaway that I want people to remember is that it is an indicator. And when you can start to see it, not as something you have to live with, not as something we all experience and we have to put up with, but as an indicator and that you can just be willing to at least look under the hood at what's really going on and at the very least seek support to do that if you feel like you don't know where to start that alone will help you in terms of um not managing but navigating (laughs) through stress (laughs) yeah i was like "Uh uh-oh what word do i use (laughs) i know (laughs) My question also would be, I see all these planners, um, like the five-minute journal that helps you focus on gratitude, I think, right? Is that what that one does? I don't, I don't know that what one. that one does. I've heard there's so many there's of them, so the bullet journal, all the things. Yeah. So you said that journaling, I mean, definitely that's kind of a quick fix sort of cookie cutter thing that's thrown around like, oh, you should meditate and breathe deeply and journal. Um, and I like your metaphor of the car wash. You know, that's not really getting to the root of the problem. Do you think that any type of gratitude practice, have you noticed, can that help alleviate stress? Does that help to kind of shift your mentality and focus in a powerful way, in a positive way? Or is that still kind of a surfacey approach? It does help. Do you want to know what's really going on under the surface and why gratitude can be effective yes. just in the moment? Because it's a shift in energy. Mm. And so whenever we are able to tune into, first of all, notice like, okay, uh, I'm having a moment. Okay, let me practice some gratitude. And you know, and people say like, oh, you feel so much better. Like when you just notice something you're grateful for. And it does have this way of kind of lifting you up and out of the more negative energy that was weighing you down before. Because whenever we're focused on something we don't want, you know, you've heard that saying where your focus goes, your energy flows your mind unknowingly actually looks for validation of that in your life. So, you know, I never have enough time. Oh, I feel like I there's never enough money in the bank account. Or I feel like, you know, I just can't get to everything in the course of a day. You're all these little things that we tell ourselves, your mind will find evidence of that in your life. Kind of like when you go out to buy a new car and all of a sudden you see the exact make and model that yeah. you want. And it's like driving all over the street. And you're like, why? I've never noticed this before. But it's because your mind is finding evidence to validate, hey, this is a good decision. This is a smart move. A lot of people drive this car. This must be you know, a great car to drive. So we look for that validation. And when we're focused on what we don't want, we actually create more of it because our mind looks to validate you know, everywhere where that's happening in our life. Whereas when we can shift that focus onto what we do want and make the conscious choice to shift that focus, it's a total shift in energy and your mind will look for validation of that. So gratitude is a really good example for this, you know, to make something, make it very concrete is that, you know, when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and all of this going on, like 
you shift to what you're grateful for. And it just puts things into perspective. It has this way of really putting things into perspective quickly. And what's happening really is a shift in energy and in your focus. And therefore your mind will start to look, you know, because isn't it funny how like, okay, I'm just going to write down five things I'm grateful for, but like, you can never stop at five because mm-hmm. there's like 50 things that come to mind immediately. And so your mind will start to look for that validation. And that's why that can be, you know, very effective. Yeah. I've noticed that I've heard it referred to as like gratitude as a muscle or something. And the more you, you know, work it out, the more it grows. But I've noticed that anytime I've had a gratitude practice, if I start it in the morning and then I'm out for a walk, it's almost as if you can't help help but focus on the things that are positive and you see more things of, oh, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. And I think, oh, tomorrow I want to write this down. It's exactly what you're saying. It's the energy, your focus goes towards those things. You can't help but identify them once you've started. Yeah. It's so interesting. You know, we're all quarantined right now. And so I'm doing like hashtag all the house projects. Yeah. And I was cleaning out my office closet the other day and I came across this journal and I've kept journals for years because for me, it is a way, you know, to work through thoughts that are going through my mind or work through times where I do feel like a little bit more emotionally down than I normally do. And again, I know that something's always going on under the surface there. And so even though I don't have it as a practice every day, I have kept them consistently through the years when I need it. You know, if that just, so again, like take what, what we're saying, like make what works for you. Like if someone says journal every day, don't feel like you have to journal every day. If that's not what's actually helpful for you, you know, you could do it a little bit at a time. That's really what I've done. But, um, I found this journal and it was, I had read this book and it's a great book. I do recommend it. It's called 1000 Gifts. And the the author tells a beautiful story through the book. And then she gives you a challenge at the end to say, you know, start a journal and to go through and just write the things you're grateful for, the gifts you've noticed in your life, you know, a thousand of them. And so I did that over the course of, I don't know, even know how long it was. It was several weeks. But before I knew it, I had this whole journal filled up and I couldn't wait every day to go through and be like, okay, what are the gifts I'm going to write down at the end of the day today? But it really helped me, like you said, exercise that muscle to help me, you know, shift my focus in a positive direction because our minds are like muscles. Those neuron pathways that form in our brain are strong and they can, neural rewiring is possible in our adult life. That's the good news. But that's also why habits can be hard to shift because it takes time to carve out a new path. And so having a practice like that, where you're not just doing it, you know, one time, and then, you know, you put the journal away for a year, you know, but consistently, you know, every day, or every week, or once a month, or at least over a period of time, consistently, that's the key, that it can help you exercise that muscle, just like working out, you you can't expect to go to one workout and then have like a total killer beach body, you know, it takes consistency over time. I know, right? It would be so nice. I but. know. Somebody still needs to invent that, but I haven't seen yeah. that yet out there. Right. Speaking of exercise, what role do you think sleep and diet and exercise and just an overall healthy lifestyle plays in terms of stress? I do think, I mean, it's critically important in terms of supporting us, especially especially on a journey of healing. And I believe that we're all on a journey of healing at some point or another. Some of us haven't necessarily started that journey yet. Some of us are on it. Some of us have been on it for a long time. But those are essential ingredients to just be able to perform 
in your life and to show up as your best self in all of your roles. I prioritize my sleep. You know, the cancer wake up call was big for me in terms of kind of revamping my nutrition and really being mindful of the foods and the um, eliminating chemicals and additives and things like that, that I was putting in my body before not even thinking about it and really just cleaning up my diet a lot. And then movement, because a lot of us, you know, what do we do? We sit, we've got our legs all crossed underneath us, we're on our laptops all day long. And we don't realize that this physical strain that that puts on our bodies. And so having that movement, you know, it's just, it's, it fosters a healthy lifestyle and it supports you to be able to do what you want to do in the world. And that's why it's so, so important. I agree 100%. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Any tips for managing unique stressors that come along, for example, the COVID-19 quarantine that most of us are doing right now that just throw you completely out of whack? Yeah. I mean, again, recognizing that, you know, stress is an indicator. What's happening right now in the world is a big T trauma. You know, it's an event that's inducing a lot of negative emotions. Some are feeling more than others. Um, We've all felt them, myself included, the anxiety, the fear, the unease, the unknowing, the uncertainty, all of these things. And so what I encourage is to use this time to hone in on what is truly important to you. Treat this as your wake-up call. Not everyone gets a wake-up call in their life. And so I feel as though, you know, with all of this happening, I kind of feel like I'm going through this for a second time. And even now it's calling into mind, like some of the things that, you know, gosh, I really haven't been spending my time in these areas that I want to be spending in more. And so when things are uncertain, all of a sudden, the things that are important become really clear. So lean into that. Also, I'll I'll give you this, you know, just as a a takeaway that, you know, for those of you out there that are wishing for things to get back to normal, what I want you to realize is that this is an event, just like any trauma, big or small, that causes that emotional pain we've been talking about today. This is something that's going to shift the perspective of how you see life going forward. You can never go back to exactly the way things were because they're this event has happened. This moment in time has happened. You can't erase that. And so rather than spending your energy trying to get back to the way things were, put that energy out into your future and focus forward and use this time, just like you're probably cleaning out your closets and cleaning out your house and getting rid of all the things in your life that don't serve you and decluttering, do that in your life as well. Do that with your priorities. Do the same thing. You know, take a look at what's truly important to you. What has this extra time and space allowed you to do that you haven't been able to get to before because it's been on the back burner? And so figure out how to align your life to maintain those priorities when things do return to a routine. We're able to go out, you know, and not feel like, oh, we're going to catch a disease or something, you know, we can all interact and hug each other and and connect again and be in person and celebrate um, special events and all of those things that we're so accustomed to doing. And just focus in on what you want to take with you. And let it be your your motivation to find a new normal that was even better than the one you had before. Yeah, I love that. I could talk to you all day. You're making me feel better just <laughs> <laughs> this conversation. So much less stressed about everything now. It's great. 
Um, well, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you're super busy, but the final question I ask all of my guests is just based on the title of the podcast. And it's in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? For me, it's really simple. It's to invest in the you that your life depends on. And so whatever that looks like to you, and it's going to look different for each of us, but to recognize first and foremost, that you are worth the investment. And that in order to show up as the person that you've been created to be, that you've been uniquely designed to be from the beginning of time with all the gifts and talents that you have, the only way that you're going to be able to show up and operate as that person in this world to the best of your ability is if you are making the time and taking the time to invest in yourself on all levels, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, the total you, so that you can show up and live your life because everything else in your life depends on you. I feel like you just said my brand in a better way than I've ever said it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, feel free to borrow. There you go. (laughs) Invest in the you your life depends on. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Well, I know everybody's going to want to follow you and find you. So what's the best place for them to do so? I hang out on Instagram the most at Courtney Elmer. You can type my name in and it should pop right up. I do have an underscore behind there. Um, So at Courtney Elmer underscore, or just type my name in the search. And also on my podcast, The Effortless Life, where I show high achievers how to maximize their income, their impact and influence without maxing out their time, their energy or their effort. And you started that semi recently, right? A few months ago? Yes, we launched in February, officially February of 2020, and it has just grown beyond my wildest expectations right out the gate. And uh, it's super fun. You know, I just I love connecting with my audience in that way. And I feel like, you know, the whole reason I did it was because I wanted to have it's a two way conversation is how I see it. You know, it's not just me, you know, every week teaching and sharing what I've learned. It's it's hearing out there the people in my community that are struggling, that are stressed, that, you know, need that guidance and that clarity. And uh, for me to really be able to deliver that value and, and to give the mindset and the strategies, you know, to help you find more, I don't use the word balance, but more of that equilibrium in your life that, that you're craving. It seems as if we're very aligned in all of these buzzwords that I'm sure we see <laughs> a lot on social media, you know, of other nutrition coaches and stress experts using, I mean, I personally am triggered by the term self-care now. I hate how that uh-huh. kind of- <laughs> Oh, wait, the episode that just dropped this week. Yeah, (laughs) really. I just did an episode like why self-care is not the cure for burnout. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I hate. And I mean, the principle behind it makes sense, right? That we should all be taking care of ourselves. But I just feel like it's been sort of hijacked. And now it's all about baths with bubbles and candles and massages. And it's like, I'm not going to do that stuff ever. So. Right. And like you said, it's surfacy, you know, it doesn't it really get to the deeper stuff anyway. So. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, that must be why I have loved your stuff so much. I didn't realize that we both had this distaste for all of these buzzwords, but <laughs> yeah, I love your podcast. The episodes that I've listened to so far are incredible. And I, yeah, just as everybody listening right now can imagine, it's just more of this, of everything they heard today. So definitely check that out. I will link to your podcast and your social media in the show notes. But I just want to thank you again so much for sharing your time today, especially during this very stressful time and for just sharing all of your knowledge with us. Brooke, thank you for having me on. It's truly been my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Courtney. I'll see you over on Instagram. Yes, sounds good. 
Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.